Welcome, everybody, to a new Friday edition of the Peachtree Post, our first for 2017. My name is Jason Longshore, one of the managing editors at Dirty South Soccer. With me today, Jarrett Smith, my co-host. Jarrett, how you doing? I'm good. I was assuming that you cleared your throat in the background. <laughs> yeah, my sinuses are still uh, a little angry, and I'm actually uh, doing the show this morning from lovely Brunswick, Georgia. I uh, got away from the snow for a little bit, uh, but I'll be headed back into it today. So save a path uh, up 75 for me so I can get back into town before oh, snowing no, again in 2017. There's a good chance I'm, a good chance I'm walking half the way home tonight. So I'll go up before <laughs> 10 o'clock for working in a traffic center. It's, it's not going to be pretty. Yes, uh, please send one up for, for Jared working in a traffic center the rest of the day. It's going to be a, Actually, a rough day yeah, for my co-host. Genuinely, if you have questions today, feel free to, to tweet me. I can answer questions about the roads and whatnot if that comes up. Just please don't be stuck out in this mess, even if it's not that bad. It's still going to be stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, like the last ice storm, but, but we shall see. Um, we've got some Atlanta United stuff to talk about today and some also – uh, U.S. national team coverage. We have our first roster of the Bruce Arena era that came out yesterday. Uh, we'll dig into that in the second half of the show, but wanted to catch up on a couple updates regarding Atlanta United. And the biggest one is really on Darwin Quintero from Club America in Mexico City. It looks like Atlanta United is in for Quintero and competing with some other clubs, both in MLS and worldwide to get the talented second forward slash winger from Columbia. Um, how do you think Quintero would be a fit for Atlanta United, Jared? I mean, we talked about it last week. I think it would be a really solid fit. Uh, if you want to have a guy who plays off of Kenwin Jones, uh, depend, I mean, just depending on what you want to do exactly, I think he fits really well. Um, at this point, it almost sounds to me like it's a matter of price. How much are you willing to pay to get him? Um, because I'm comfortable with the fact that right now, when it comes to the actual price tag of someone, Atlanta United is not really going to get outbid within the league. Uh, say one or two, they want somebody. Like they're going to get who they want. Um, now, as we've already seen with the Chinese Super League, you can get outbid overseas. That's something I think they're going to be concerned with. But again, I think a lot of it's going to boil down to is how, how do they value him? Um, I think he fits really well. Um, you know, he's not you know, the 21-year-old, you know, streaker down the field that, you know, maybe people are used to seeing. But I I think he fits. And I'd, I'd be okay with it depending, again, all that comes down to how much it's going to cost. Yeah, I think there's a couple different ways Quintero can fit. And, and we've you know, dug into this when we started talking about tactics. He has played – often as a striker, but he's played on the wing um, as well, a little more on the right side than the left. So your questions come up as to how you make him fit. Do you play Quintero out wide on either the right or left, or do you play him as a striker and then you make a change where it comes to Kenwin Jones and your options up top, or do you try to play Quintero in the midfield next to a Miguel Almiron, and as a, a pseudo number 10 slash second striker, 
adding somebody like Cantero that flexibility gives Tata Martino a ton of different options tactically that can cause problems for opponents. Yeah, and that's and we've talked about this last week, and we'll keep harping on it because it needs to be said. Like the way that the way that is going to have everything structured, you're going to have a lot of instances like this where you're just you're going to have guys who can fit multiple ways. The way the system can melt around the players instead of having to just throw players into a system and hope that the cogs fit. Uh, it's more about you know you can kind of everything can kind of blend together. It's um, I'm trying to get the right term to use for it, but it's. It, it just kind of it kind of melts, kind of like wax. It can kind of shift into whatever you need it to be for the time being. So, yeah, you can fit in multiple places. And I think because of that flexibility, if you don't, let's say you don't like Cantero, because I mean, you might not get him. Let's say you don't land him. I think that flexibility means that you can, you can go out there and find someone else to fit that system and not feel like you have to find this perfect exact kind of player. Exactly. Let's let's lay the landscape right now um, where this roster stands. Okay. You know, you have you have forwards that you're comfortable with, and Kenwin Jones, Brandon Vasquez, uh, up and coming, and you have speedy options behind that with Jeffrey Otu and Romario Williams. You have Tito Vishalba who can play on the right uh, in your midfield. He can play up top as a second striker in some situations. Uh, he could probably play some on the left, but he's mostly played on the right. You have Miguel Almiron as a, as a number eight, but he could also play on the left, depending on your setup. You have Chris McCann, Jeff Lorenowitz, Harrison Heath, Kevin Kratz. Lots of options in the central midfield, both defensively and as a box-to-box option. And we have the back line that we've talked about with Garza, Bloom, Ambrose, Wide, and you have Parkhurst and Lloyd in the middle. We'll get back to goalkeeper in a minute when we talk about Brad Kuzan. <laughs> There's some holes. In that lineup, um, where things stand right now is there's there's been talk of a top-level center back being looked at. We don't know who that is. Martin uh, DiMichelis was mentioned this week. Don't know if he's the fit that Atlanta's really looking for. There's also holes in the midfield, depending on how you want to shape it, on the left side or at center mid as a number 10. So those are kind of the positions to keep in mind when you're looking at adding starters. You also need some depth at, in the back and out wide as well. I would like to point out that I don't know how much he would cost, but uh, Colo Torre is literally doing nothing right now in Glasgow. If you're looking for like a good point, good point. I wonder how much he's got left, but he, he was he was playing uh, for Celtic early in the season, and he's just as they kind of as Brendan Rodgers has kind of figured things out for what he wants to do. Everything's kind of stabilized up there, but he uh, he doesn't really. I don't I don't know the I guess it's fair to say he doesn't really have a future because he's 36, I think, you know. But, I mean, depending on how much he costs, if you want a veteran center back, he probably could be had. Um, and, yeah, I think he's to the other guys. Yeah, and that's my question when you're looking at this uh, top-level center back acquisition is you have Michael Parkhurst, veteran. Uh, some people say he's lost a step. And you have Zach Lloyd, who had some injury issues and can also play out wide if you need him to do that. So I think you'd be looking at a younger center back. And, and I keep thinking that they'd be looking at a center back that, that Martino would be comfortable with in his system. You know, is it somebody who's played for him before? 
Is it somebody who's played in a similar system? I think you might be looking at, you know, a, a mid-20s center back that can partner with Parkhurst and be the more athletic option as opposed to Parkhurst's veteran leadership. The other thing in terms of some people's concerns with the back is Parkhurst and Lloyd are both not the tallest. So maybe you're looking at a center back who's good in the air as well to give a little more balance. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm spitballing names at this point because they're talking about a veteran center back. I would prefer to go into the 20s as well, not a 36-year-old guy whose legs might be just about a guess. Like, I'd rather get somebody in their 20s. I'm fine with that. So if that's what they choose to do, great. I'm on board. Um, as far as uh, as far as having other guys come in, I mean, the international window is open. So who knows what can happen? Like, we could wake up tomorrow morning. We could be sitting here on the show by 11 o'clock, and there could be new rumors coming out about uh, about somebody coming in. Um, it's been really, it's been almost too quiet on the rumor front in term, from from the team in terms of like things like, okay, we should start a watch for this guy, kind of thing. Right. Um, And that's going to pick up here quickly. Training camp's going to open soon. Uh, The club hasn't officially announced the start of training camp, but when you look at other clubs around the league, most are reporting the weekend of the 21st, 22nd, and actually starting training on the 23rd. We do know now that there is a preseason game in Chattanooga against the NPSL Chattanooga FC uh, in February, and that is reported to be the first Atlanta United semi-official game, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, what did you think about that Chattanooga announcement this week? I love it for Chattanooga. Um, I love it for Atlanta because, you know, it's a chance. It's, it's a close game. It's a very drivable distance um, for you to get up to Chattanooga to go see a game. Um, expands the regional base, which is what we wanted to see from Atlanta United, kind of that brave style of the team in the southeast. Now, with the growth of the MLS and the turmoil of the lower-level divisions, I don't know how long that whole we're the team of the southeast to think it's going to last. Um, just because of the rate of growth and the unpredictability, you know, we could have predicted that that the American soccer would be in the state it's in right now. We could have predicted it six months ago, really, in terms that it would go on the way it has. But I love it for Chattanooga. Um, it's a forty thousand. I think it's. I think they're looking at forty thousand seats they're trying to sell for the U.S. For national the team game, which is yeah, which is like what like a couple days later, um, or a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Days. The U.S. national team game February third, and United yeah. playing Chattanooga FC February eleventh. It's a great chance for Chattanooga to put themselves on the national stage and to show MLS and American soccer like we want to be taken seriously. And you should, you know, you should consider us going forward. Um, it's great for Atlanta to kind of try and build that Southeast brand. It's close enough to go. Um, you can kind of build a relationship there. I was honestly surprised they didn't. I mean, I know they have the cup coming up in, in, uh, in the Challenge Cup in Charleston, but I was still kind of surprised they didn't go to Charleston to play just a separate, uh, a separate friendly, and maybe they still will. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, this is a, it's a good starting point for the team just starting out. Because, like, my thought down the road is, okay, we're eventually going to get to the point where we're going to get uh, we're going to get these friendlies with international clubs coming into the country. That'll be fun down the road. But this is a good starting point. It's a good place to lay your feet on the ground for both Atlanta and Chattanooga. 
Yeah, we've, we've talked about it. We'll, we'll get to the Chattanooga angle you know, a little deeper in a second. Uh, I had a good interview this week with Sean McDaniel, their general manager, uh, about you know, the growth of that club and the plans. And, and I've, I've seen them grow from my involvement in the NPSL uh, with Atlanta FC and the Silverbacks Reserves. You know, Chattanooga has set a standard for lower division soccer in the Southeast. The, the growth of, of Atlanta United and just soccer in general in the Southeast is, is just mind-blowing to me. And it's, it's easy to forget, you know, kind of where we were uh, just a few years ago compared to now. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm down here in Brunswick uh, talking to the guys at Southern Pigskin and ESPN Coastal talking about soccer ideas and things going on. And the excitement is just massive right now. And I think it's only going to blow up once kickoff starts. You know, when you see Atlanta United's brand and team active in Chattanooga and in Alabama and in South Georgia and in South Carolina, it's only going to spread you know, the gospel in a way. And, you know, I, I kind of I always think back to the Atlanta Chiefs bringing over Phil Woosnam and Woosnam really taking on the idea of being, you know, kind of a missionary for the sport in the South. And he understood that the education was critical to making it work. I think Atlanta United understands that as well. And this game in Chattanooga is not an accident. It's not just a lucky thing like, oh, well, we have a chance to play an NPSL team. We're going to do it for preseason. It's calculated. It's very intelligent. Yeah. Same with going there's to Charleston. There's absolutely a purpose here for this. It's not just random. Yeah. You're building that brand, and you're building a following in the region. And I think there's a place. The South is is kind of you know fertile territory for this where – you know, I think in other parts of the country, you'll have friction. You're seeing it in Detroit, with some with Detroit City and a potential MLS bid. Um, in Atlanta and in the South, I think you see options for a different way forward. And with it being Atlanta United as the beachhead, as the figure of soccer in the Southeast that is at the top, and you add in the lower divisions, you add in, you know, USL, NASL, the PDL, NPSL, you add the whole thing and it all works together. And that was something that Sean really mentioned in Chattanooga was that, you know, he was very encouraged by Atlanta United's approach to lead the movement in a way of soccer in the Southeast. It's not about dominating everybody else. It's about leading a movement because Atlanta can't play its games in Chattanooga and Macon and Brunswick and Charleston all the time. They need those markets to have their own thing and support it, but then go in and be the big figure that can, can lift everybody up. And I think that's the way they're looking at it. And everybody will win in the long run. I hope so. Um, I, I want it to go that way. Like I want lower divisions to keep picking up and they have, like you said, uh, Chattanooga has been a really good example of a solid lower division program. So I'd like it to keep going that way. And I hope Atlanta does in the future. I hope Atlanta does kind of keep you know, stretching out Chattanooga now, I mean, Nashville, uh, Birmingham, Montgomery, go down to the coast. I mean, go so far as Mississippi if you want to. Um, I don't know how far down you can go into the Florida before you start you know, bumping heads with Orlando. Not that that's something we don't want to do. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll keep expanding their footprint. Uh, they'll keep mixing with the lower division teams. And like you said, you're getting a brand out there. You're not just getting an MLS brand. Don't get it wrong. They've got their 
other sites that hired that. This is a attempt to make an international brand. So you start somewhere and you build from there. Yeah, and it takes it takes time to do this, but the Chattanooga deal is is a smart one. Um, Chattanooga, you know, has grown, and and they mentioned themselves. You know, there's been a lot of rumors about about that team possibly moving up, and like like McDaniel said, why? Because they've accomplished so much where they are. Uh, do they want to play more games? Yes. Do they want to have more competition? Yes. But it takes a lot more money with a riskier return to move up to the USL or NASL. And Chattanooga is bringing national team games. They've had the women. They're bringing the men. Uh, they're bringing Atlanta United. There's no need for them to jump up to legitimize themselves. They're very legitimate. And if they can help their level grow, if they can help grow the game in the South and you have the NPSL region with Birmingham and the Georgia revolution and the silverbacks, and you have teams in the Carolinas, you have teams in, you know, Alabama and out towards Louisiana, you have lots of things happening in the lower divisions. You have the PDL, you have the Gulf coast premier league. There's, there's just so much going on. It doesn't have to be NASL or USL or bust. It can be a situation where it's something new and different. And I think Chattanooga is leading the way. I think Atlanta United is looking at the big picture and leading the way. And the South is going to do this differently. And I think it's very exciting as to what it can be because you don't have some of that baggage that other parts of the country have. Yeah, it's I, – I like, I like the idea that it feels like we're starting from – we're starting from scratch in a sense here. Um, like you said, I mean, you can bring in the MPSL teams and ASL, all that jazz. Um, I like the fact that we are starting from scratch. Like there's no established, it's like, it's not like there's an established group of an, an, a, a history. I mean, Atlanta has a history, but I don't think it's as well known nationwide. It doesn't have the same reputation. Um, so I'm very curious to see what happens. Um, even two years from now, and not just with Atlanta, but with the entire Southeast, with like the growth of the sport in the Southeast with MPSL on up and even beyond, even lower than that, even college level. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, you know, clubs, we're not even getting into the college, the high school, the youth there. There's just so much happening. It's, it's such an exciting time if you love the sport in this area and, you know, Atlanta United is going to, basically be the rocket ship that carries soccer in the South to another level. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes and, and we'll be along for the ride. Um, well, we're looking at Atlanta United and kind of the things coming up next for them. The most high profile one is the super draft next Ooh. Friday. Uh, we will be live in the morning with you guys at our usual time at 10 in the morning uh, with a preview. And we're figuring out what a, post uh, draft wrap up or live or whatever is going to look like. So stay tuned. Uh, we might have something special for you guys next Friday afternoon. Uh, but the super draft is a huge opportunity with Atlanta sitting on the number two and number eight picks to add some pieces that will help build some depth and possibly earn some playing time straight away. Um, yeah. So actually, if you guys have any suggestions about 
what you would prefer in terms of if you guys want a live show before or after that kind of thing, uh, let us know. Um, you know, we're open to ideas about that. Uh, as far as this goes, like we're starting to see those mock drafts really roll in and starting to see them kind of take shape. Um, the thing that caught my eye this week uh, was a piece on 55-1 where they're talking about Minnesota possibly trying to add another draft pick in the top five to maybe move for Ibobise, I guess, if they're going to go that route, which I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, also trying to get Jackson UL at the same time. I don't know what it would cost. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, once Atlanta traded for that eight spot, you can't trade the traded pick. So they, they're, off the, they're off the board. But there are teams there in that mock draft who are options for them if we're kind of getting away from – like so like the Columbus Crew, uh, San Jose, um, Houston Dynamo still there in front of them. But they've talked about making that move and being another team that's got two high picks. I just don't know what it would cost for them to do that. As far you, as the mocks that – oh, go ahead. You will see moves. You will see moves happen oh, yeah. in this. I mean, you look – last year is a prime example of what Philadelphia did in the draft where they got three of the top six. Um, is that right? Three, Yeah, three of the top six. They had two, three, and six. Some of the trades that were in that, that ballpark uh, to get extra top six picks, uh, Philadelphia acquired a 2016 first-round pick from Colorado in exchange for general allocation money and midfielder Zach Pfeffer. Uh, New York and Chicago flipped picks, and there was some allocation money going at the number four spot. The number six spot, uh, there was another player trade, a pretty big player trade, where Houston received Christian Maidana and Andrew Winger, and Philadelphia acquired the uh, Houston's first-round pick, some general allocation money, and some targeted. So there's definitely moves with all of the allocation money that Minnesota has and Atlanta has as well. You could definitely see some moves happen in the top, let's say, 10 to get some of these guys. Minnesota obviously uh, has the number one, and I think it'd be a reach to go Jackson UL there. But Matt Doyle's mock draft at MLSsoccer.com has UL going at four. So would Minnesota try to get that? And Doyle speculates that that Minnesota might try to get the, the three or the four to, to get Jackson UL be a smart move for them because they're going in more of a budget conscious type of roster build as opposed to Atlanta and getting two generation Adidas guys that could play a lot of minutes for you early would be a, a smart move for the loons. Uh, and as far as Atlanta goes, I mean, every, everything just seems to come down to the idea of, do you want the Lottie or do you want it first? Like that seems to just be where it's at right now. Cause most of the mocks I've seen have them going one and two, uh, to either Atlanta or Minnesota. I, uh, I guess the consensus view being, in a lot of senses, that Dunlady is much more of a risk-reward guy and it would be, say, more of a safe pick. Now, as far as getting down, like, let's okay, let's, let's go to, like, that, uh, let's go to, like, that eighth pick for Atlanta. I just right. keep seeing defenders pop up, um, which is fine. Um, I think it was Top Drawer Soccer had a... Uh, uh, Chris Odoyatsum? Yes. Going? Uh, Odoyatsum, outside back from Maryland. Um, yeah. You can go back uh, on some of our archives, and I had Andre Sherrard, a uh, college scout, who really was high on, on Odoyatsum and thought he could be a good fit with Martino's system at outside back. 
I've seen some different things at the number eight. Uh, Doyle actually went with uh, Shamit Shom, who was one of the Generation Adidas signings announced from Canada. He He's a, a very interesting prospect because of his professional experience. He was signed to FC Edmonton in the NASL and played 26 games last year with Edmonton in the NASL. He's not your typical college player coming into the draft, and he's – Doyle mentions he's a box-to-box midfielder, uh, and he thinks he'll probably evolve into more of a number six. That's a role that is very, very important in Tata Martino's system. And you have some depth there right now with McCann, Lorenowitz, Kratz, uh, Heath. But to get a guy that you can groom, and especially a guy like Shom, who would be off your books while he's in the Generation Adidas program, is is a nice fit. Uh, one of the other ones uh... – one other, I think it was SBI, had uh, Lalas Abubakar from Dayton for Atlanta, yes. uh, which would be interesting. It, it'd give you size in the back. I mean, Bigger center back. Um, yeah, he, if that's he your can, concern. Yeah, he gives you that, that option. He gives you more depth. Uh, he's not a Generation Adidas, so... Just, just to be clear, the Generation Adidas designation is important when it comes to salary cap because those are guys who are signing as underclassmen. Um, they're being offered a special deal, usually a little more money than your basic rookie deal. And also, while they're part of Generation Adidas uh, program, they are not on your salary cap. So it just gives you more flexibility. And with a team like Atlanta that is trying to – spend some money on this roster and really maximize the cap generation Adidas guys could be extra valuable right now. There's five. Uh, Jeremy Ebbabise is a bit of a, an enigma in that he signed early and he's an underclassman, but he has a Nike apparel deal. So he can't actually be part of the generation Adidas program because of that. Most people expect them to create some special designation for Ebbabise to have that same uh, off the cap situation uh and one other fun thing uh i think it was let me make sure i get the name drop right it was will parchment wrote a piece on mls that came out two days ago it's the top 10 super draft prospects and their mls doppelgangers if you kind of want an idea of what some people think these players will look like down the road uh, guys who are already established in the league like uh for example uh jackson ul mls equivalent sasha kleischen Whoever gets Jackson UL will be thrilled if he turns into Sasha Kleistin. Um It's not a bad thing at all. Ibo um, Bise, his MLS equivalent, he has him for Bradley Wright Phillips. That sort of thing. I mean, it's a I cool like little that. piece. To, yeah. It's a I cool like that piece. one. I think some people are comparing Ibo Bise to Kyle Laren, and from what I've seen of Ibo Bise, I, I, don't, I don't get that. I see more of a Bradley Wright Phillips. I think that that's a great comparison. Uh, uh, Dunlady, has got to David Akam. So, what about Miles Robinson? I can find that for you. Uh, oh, Van Damme. If if Atlanta United could get at the number two pick a player that turns into a Jelly Van Damme, that would be an amazing move. And you know, I've been on the Miles Robinson train for a little <laughs> while here. Uh, I've noticed that some people are jumping on the train, which is great. Uh, Doug Roberson at the AJC wrote that they should they should draft Robinson at number two. Uh, Matt Doyle has him at number two in his mock draft. I think he makes the most sense for Atlanta. And any kind of draft, you have to weigh the difference between drafting the best player available and drafting for need. 
I think with Atlanta having such a, you know, a built out roster at this point, they need to draft for need. And when you can get a generation Adidas player like Robinson, who is projected to turn into a player like a jelly Van Damme, uh, he's big, he's athletic. Uh, Doyle compares him to Walker Zimmerman and Steve Birnbaum. Same. If you can get a player who turns into that at center back in this league, that's a smart move. And you get a player's off your cap. I think he just makes a ton of sense. I think he's a better fit for Atlanta United's roster than even Eba Bise, who, who you know, a lot of people feel is a very special talent. I think he's a better fit than Ben Lotti. Uh, UL, I think, would be a reach at number two, uh, unless you pick him and then hold him for ransom to Minnesota, which is a whole different idea. Oh, God. But uh, yeah, I'm not putting it past anybody at this point. Well, We've think, seen this happen some, before. I think someone had a, uh, I think someone had a mock draft. I've, God, I can't remember who it was. Where Atlanta took Ibo Bise at two, and somehow Jackson UL fell to eight, and Atlanta grabs Ibo Bise and Jackson UL, which would just set the city of Minnesota on fire. Wow. Um, some of the options at eight, and you know, we talked about it. There's been a lot of different ones. It's it's so hard to pick it at this point because there's going to be a lot of moves. Uh, if you go Robinson number two, which is is where I would go at this point, I think a lot of people are with me on that. Odoy Atom, the right back from Maryland, is is definitely an option. Uh, Shome, if he falls to number eight and he's Generation Adidas, I think that Generation Adidas tag really helps his his worth there. Uh, Reagan Dunk from Denver is another right back. I don't think you go two center backs at two and eight. I think you go center back and something else. Uh, so uh, Dunk, by, Dunk, by the way, gets the Keegan Rosenberry comparison. And that would be amazing as well. Uh, uh, the Shome one that I gets, like. Go Shome, ahead. Gets the Kellen, Shome gets the Kellen Rowe comparison. If, if Shome turns into Kellen Rowe, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league, uh, that would be great. I think most people are thinking he's going to be more defensive than Rowe, though. The guy that I'm very intrigued by, that uh, Matt Doyle has him at number five. I've seen him, I think, down in, in the, the tens, is Ja'Cory Hayes from Wake Forest. He is not a big guy. He has speed. He is technical. Uh, people don't really know where he's going to play at the next level. He's played in the middle at Wake Forest, and a lot of people feel his size might push him out wide in MLS. Tata Martino is a, is a coach who would not be afraid to play him as a number 10. Uh, you know, Doyle mentions he could turn into a, a right winger who cuts inside or a number 10, and I'm looking more at that number 10 or just that that central attacking midfielder, which is a position that Atlanta United needs and which is a position, even if they go and sign a big name there, they're going to need depth. Hayes is really intriguing. I think he, he checks a lot of boxes on the characteristics that Atlanta United looks for. Well, you and Will Parchment are in the same boat because he has actually, he has Hayes listed six of his top 10 Superdraft prospects. Okay. And he has him matched up with Plata from uh, Real Salt Lake. And if that's what happens, and that's a really good comparison, another undersized player who yeah. some coaches would be afraid of, Tata Martino would not be afraid of. And the fact that he is a soccer player, he's not, you know, a big, strong athlete. He's a soccer player. Ja'Cory Hayes could be a great fit in Atlanta. The question is, does he fall to eight? And with him in the 5-6, we'll see how the combine goes this week. The combine starts on Sunday out in L.A., and I, I believe those games will be streamed. They have been in the past, so look out for MLSsoccer.com on that. Uh, check out some of these guys, and we'll, we'll touch base 
early on Friday for sure, 10 a.m. our usual time, and we'll talk yep. about where things look, and then uh, we'll figure out how we'll cover the draft after that. And if you have ideas, uh, Robin from Terminus Legions already invited us to watch with them at Fido Atlanta. I might take them up on that. I might as well. We might do a live show. So we'll figure this out. Um, just stick with us, but we'll be back for the, the preview next Friday. Draft is a big thing with two picks in the top eight. Whether Atlanta keeps them both is another question, but an opportunity to add two more pieces to this roster and especially some at least one piece we expect will be off the salary cap, which is something to start looking at and start, start worrying about a little bit. I've wondered if they would uh... – if they would try and trade down that two slot into, you know, I don't know, a four or five, uh, if they thought they could trade it down, still get what they want and grab, uh, you know, some assets or some gamer Tam in the process. Yeah. The biggest question is probably what are their needs for gam and Tam at this point? And, you know, we're looking at big picture on the roster, uh, Brad Kazan, which is, is still, you know, in play and we're waiting on timelines, but Brad Gazan would be a TAM signing. Uh, I think if they go, you know, third designated player at either the central attacking mid or the left wing spot, I think you could go GAM or TAM on the other one. Uh, we've also speculated that Kenwin Jones could be a GAM or TAM uh, buy down to get him under designated player money they could be in a situation where it might be more appealing to them to either package the two and eight or package one of them with something to get more allocation money to give them more flexibility. We'll see what happens. Uh, The wheeling and dealing will definitely commence. Like I said, there were three trades in the top six last year. Uh, I think it'll be about the same this year. Yeah, that's fair. So we'll see, uh, but you know, like like you said, um, we'll have the show next week. We'll probably have a better idea about stuff back at that point, and then we'll take those ideas, we'll ball them up, and we'll throw them in the trash on Saturday because they mean nothing when the draft starts. That's how it always goes. So you know, we're thinking Miles Robinson. They'll probably trade that pick and bring in uh, who knows. We'll see. Um, let's look at the. Biggest news. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. I didn't have it on the show rundown, so sorry, Jared. I'm kind of springing this one on you. Uh, uh, I know. There is talk about U.S. soccer today having their vote on the Division Two, Division Three sanctioning moving forward with NASL okay, and I'm, USL. I'm, okay, I'm okay with this because I was reading it too. Okay, <laughs> Very nice. See? All right, cool. I didn't, I didn't surprise you too much. Uh, Lots of stuff out there on this. You know, it looks like the Cosmos might survive somehow, uh, but their survival is completely tied to a D2 status for NASL. Uh, There's been, you know, kind of in the the wind here lately, much more positivity about the chances of the NASL surviving and and riding the spot out that they're in, and a much greater opportunity that USL does not get the D2 sanctioning that a lot of people took for granted. Yeah, this is um, this is like I said earlier. Uh, six months ago, we couldn't have predicted it was going to go this route. Like with U.S. soccer in general, like as an overarching theme, looking at it, taking a step back. But here we are, and uh, I don't know day to day what the leagues will look like <laughs> the next day when I wake up. Uh, tomorrow morning, we could wake up 
in our little Snowmageddon universe, and it could look completely different from what it looks like right now. I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm glad yeah. the NASL. I'm glad the NASL. I don't want the NASL to go away. Like, I, I like the fact that it could be saved. Um, been seeing stuff that they're talking to a number of cities, including Atlanta, about NASL teams, about expanding the league, which would be fascinating. Um, bring it right back here. Atlanta's going to have more soccer than it knows what to do with, so that'd be interesting. But um, seeing the league come that close and then just bounce back and try and go out, basically like going from bed rest to a marathon is what it looks like right now. Yeah, when it comes to Atlanta, kind of where the, the latest rumors are there, don't expect Atlanta to be ready for a spring launch in an ASL. Uh, fall oh, no. is actually – fall's been talked about a good bit. Um, I think it's probably a lot more likely for a 2018 launch. You know, what I'm hearing in, you know, in the, the area is that we've seen the, the plans, we've seen the talk about building a facility in DeKalb County. Nothing's approved at this point, so I don't think the – group looking to bring a team would move forward without at least approval and playing in a temporary venue. So until there's some approval on that facility that's, that's been proposed and some movement there, I don't think they'll bring a team and play in a temporary venue in the meantime until it's ready. Uh, in the midfield press article that Trey Brantley uh, was interviewed for, he mentioned that there will be two stadiums on this facility and one could be ready I believe for the fall of 2017, the other, the main stadium wouldn't be ready until 2019. So if things happen fast, they might have their own temporary facility. If not, but at least there's movement, maybe they play at another local facility. Uh, and there's a few in the area that you could look at for an NASL team. It's, it's surprising. I mean, I don't think anybody expected when the Silverbacks went away that you would see NASL come back to Atlanta. Uh, it's a, pretty bold move. Uh, do I think it could work? Sure. If they're intelligent in how they market and they really provide an alternative to Atlanta United in terms of price points, in terms of, you know, just, just the whole thing. If it's more of a community feel than the bigness of Atlanta United, they can find a niche. I mean, it, it's definitely possible. Just like some people like to go see, you know, major concerts at Phillips Arena and whatever, and some people really like to go see concerts in the clubs and see bands on the way up. The same thing with soccer. You will have fans who will really buy into a smaller thing that they can feel more connected to. That's great. It still has to be done right. It still has to have its own niche, and it has to make sense financially. That remains to yep. be seen. Financially is the big thing. We, we saw uh, what financial irresponsibility can do, and – you hope that you've learned from that lesson in the same vein that like we saw what financial irresponsibility did to NASL. We saw what it did to one of the women's leagues years ago. Um, doesn't matter how good your teams are. You're throwing money down the drain and you're not bringing in money. It's a short term life that you're leading. Um, so I really would be interested in seeing how they go about the business model. Uh, I don't mean to doubt them. I don't, I don't really doubt them. I'd love to see what they're doing. I'm excited. They're still around. Just, I hope they look at what went wrong last time and I trust that they did. And so you can't do this, that, and the other again, got to have a different strategy this time to make it. So 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. We'll see where this goes, and we'll we'll stay on top of it for you guys. Uh, what do you call the Atlanta team? I mean, God, I know I'm setting things on fire, but oh wow, um, the NASL does own the rights to the Atlanta Chiefs trademark. Uh, I think that's been a, a placeholder name right now for the the club, and and Trey Brantley did mention that it would be under consideration. You also saw some people with some pretty heavy pushback on that due to the Native American imagery there. Uh, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Uh, not sure where you'd go with it. Do you go something completely different? Do you go something new? I'm not sure. I, I love the history of, of Atlanta soccer. You guys know that. But the Chiefs name, I don't think, has the same resonance as, you know, your Sounders, your Timbers, your Whitecaps, and other and other old school NASL team names. It just, it doesn't. So I don't think you have to go that way because there's some cachet to it. I think you could go in some brand new direction and do a name the team contest and see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I would love to see them do that. Um, kind of, you know, new year, new me kind of thing. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. So talked about U.S. soccer and, and that decision coming up today. We don't know if an announcement will be made today, but it looks like a vote will happen today, according to Brian Strauss of Sports Illustrated. Some other U.S. soccer news was the first roster of the Bruce Arena era uh, yesterday. And like we mentioned, that you can see them play in Chattanooga against Jamaica on February 3rd. What jumped out to you about this roster? I know a lot of people had takes on it already. You know, what was maybe the biggest surprise, and is there a player that you thought should have been in it that is not? Uh, well, first off, Festivus is over, but I will still air, still air my grievances. Um, there's no Perry Kitchen on this roster. So, well, I, I think I'm, let's let's throw out the non MLS guys. I think it was very intentional to call just MLS players into this group. Uh, it's a non-FIFA dates, so for one, that's it's a little complicated to bring in other guys. Uh, two, I don't think you know they want to pull Kitchen away from his club right now when he's he's been doing well. I think looking at the fourth, it's fine. <laughs> yes, uh, if you want, you need your your Scottish updates. Make sure you're following at Jared underscore Smith. Um, I guess the rest of it. I mean, yeah, there are takes to have a take away from it. Um. Robles coming in is interesting. Nick Romando will never die. Um, God, he will never die. And nor die. should he. Nor should no, he. he's so great. I love him so much. Um, I texted Jason this, and I got uh, a text back in all caps, and there was a lot of anger here, but DeMarcus Beasley was called in, who, by the way, remains unattached. Like, that's a name you could consider uh, for your club. Okay. Oh, okay, let me let me unpack stop. the uh, the Demarcus Beasley stuff. So I'm not mad at Demarcus Beasley. I I don't dislike Demarcus Beasley. I just he tried to retire and he got pulled back in, and <laughs> he just keeps getting pulled back in. And you know, right now he's trying to sign a new deal somewhere in MLS, and he will. He had a, a good season. He had a better season this past year than I expected. I think there's talk about him still negotiating with Houston, so we'll see what happens. I just think there's other options at this point, and I don't know if if Beasley gets you through to 2018. I think uh, Atlanta United's Greg Garza is a prime example at left back. Taylor Kemp was probably the biggest surprise to me uh, coming in as another left back option. Kemp is great getting forward and great crosses defensively, has been an issue. He, he switches off at times and is, 
has really made some bad mistakes on the defensive side. I just – I haven't seen U.S. national team with Taylor Kemp. That was probably the number one surprise when I heard that name. Yeah, that's – I'll buy that for a dollar. Um, Kikuta Mane made it uh, from Whitecaps, who, if I'm not mistaken, remains uncapped tied from anybody. So. He is uncapped tied. There are some questions about his eligibility and his citizenship status that I think everyone's still waiting on. Uh, this could be a situation where he's just in camp training and he's not actually eligible to play yet, but he's been doing everything possible to uh, keep his eligibility and to get his citizenship. I, I mean, he plays for Vancouver, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's been living in – uh, on the other side, on the U.S. side of the border, to maintain that residency, so he wants yeah. to play for the U.S. I just don't know if he's actually eligible to play for the U.S. yet. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Darlington Nagby's back, as is Jesse Zardes. So that makes me happy. Um, okay, here's here's another thing, and and Nagby coming back kind of sparks it for me. We talked about you know Klinsman having played players out of position and issues with that. The Graham Zusi at right back experiment that looks to be unleashed upon us in this camp. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I'm ready for whatever hell fire falls upon us. I really am. Um, uh, I thought we were past the uh, let's play guys in different positions because yay oh, no. stuff. <laughs> oh no, no, we're not. We're not past it. They're gonna run Josie out there to false nine. Watch. <sighs> I just, I, I just don't know about that. Uh, if Zusi was making a transition to right back with his club and it was somewhere he'd be playing, then it's a different conversation. I don't think there's anything in the works with that. I just, I, I've never been a fan of bringing guys in to play a different position with the national team than they play on a regular basis. It's just not. I don't disagree. Um, rest of the roster is a. About if you're just and yeah, if you're just MLS guys like Benny Fellhaber's back, that's interesting. Uh, Jermaine Jones that's is here; good. he's listed as unattached, but that's kind of awkward for me because <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he learned about maybe he learned how free agency works now, and good for him. Chris Wondolowski's here because he'll never go away either. Even though Alan Gordon's perfectly capable of being, you know, in this team as well. If we're gonna go that route, I think Gordon is unattached as well. This- um, I believe he is, but he's not listed for this camp. So, Wondolowski should be here, and I know that drives some people crazy, and I know people just will not give up the the miss against Belgium. Look, Chris Wondolowski is one of the best forwards of all time in MLS. He's one of the best goal scorers uh, born in the United States that's played in the domestic league ever. Um, is he international quality? Is he, you know, world class? No, I don't think so. Is he one of the best forwards in the United States? Yes, he is. And that's why he's called in here. Uh, yeah, he, can, no he can serve a role. He can serve a role. He shouldn't be pushed off just because of one miss. I'm, I'm sorry. Now, does he beat out, in my opinion, the other forwards on this roster? Is he a player who would push Jossie Zardes or Juan Agudelo or Josie Altador or Jordan Morris to the bench? No, I don't think he is. I think he's number five out of those five. But you're bringing five forwards. Chris Wondolowski should be there. Yeah, I got no problem with that. I'm 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 totally at peace with that. I forgave him for missing the shot against Belgium at this point. Just, just you know, it, it happens. It's it's done. Um, 
I also forgave Michael Bradley for a lot of things. I still have an antagonist. I'm still a bit of an antagonist with Michael Bradley, who, by the way, when I looked at this roster, I didn't see his name at first. I read over it, and I had a mini stroke. I was thinking, oh, my God, they left Bradley out of the roster. But no, he's there. <laughs> Calm down. Michael Bradley's there. Um, I, one of the I, am things still, that, I, I am still captaining the Michael Bradley fan club. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah, you do that. I got no problem with that. Um, one thing I think should be noted is uh, concerning Clint Dempsey, uh, a spokesperson told, and I quote, Bruce opened the door to Clint to have him in if it made sense. This stage, Clint is still progressing, and everyone is taking a measured approach. So if you're wondering where Clint Dempsey is, he's taking a measured approach, which is probably smart after everything that's happened. Very smart. And, you know, there's nothing stopping them bringing Clint Dempsey in, in an unofficial role to train and, and check on his health and all that, and I think they should. Uh if if he's up to it, they they don't need to rush this. You know this is this is serious stuff. So get it right. There's there's no rush here. Yeah. The, the other a, name. This is a friendly. This is not like you're trying to exactly. get into the World Cup with this game. Exactly. These are two friendlies. You have Serbia in San Diego, and you have Jamaica in Chattanooga. Um, a good opportunity to see some players that you might not have seen in a U.S. jersey or not seen much. Uh, Chris Pontius is the other one that I'm, I'm really happy for Pontius getting into this. He's been one of the best American players yet to be capped. He's had awful injury luck where he, he'll get called in, he gets hurt. He'll be playing some of his best soccer, he gets hurt. Chris Pontius had a great season with Philadelphia, and he absolutely deserves to be part of this group. I agree. Um I noticed that a certain Landon Donovan was not here, so hopefully we can put that to rest for a while as well. Um, I don't think that's ever going to rest. Oh, I was, I was really hoping I didn't see something like, Donovan, Don, no Donovan. Okay, thank God we can kill this, right? No, we, we can't kill this. No, no, there's still talk about Landon Donovan negotiating with Rail Salt Lake. Uh, it sounds like financially they're still a ways apart, but – Talks are still happening. I uh, don't know if anything has come up with the other clubs that were rumored to be trying to get Donovan, but sounds like Salt Lake is at least still kicking the tires there to see what's up. One name that I was surprised about, um, and I'm not mean to antagonize, and this is directed at the big boss, Rob. Uh, I, was kinda, I was honestly a little surprised Mix didn't get a call in. Not necessarily to make the team, but just to camp. When was the last, know- team, last time Mix Discord played, period? I don't remember, but I'm like with the That's whole changeover. <laughs> with the whole changeover, I was kind of like, okay, I mean, maybe, maybe mix. Um, nah, you just you can at this point. Not with you know. Look at your your central midfield options that were called in here. You know, Kellen Acosta, thankfully, is yeah. listed as a midfielder. Um, Alejandro Bedoya, <laughs> Michael Bradley. In this situation, can we address no. this? We shouldn't be in this situation where we're having to say, thankfully, this player is listed to play in the proper quadrant of the field. Not even the right position, the proper quadrant of the field. Well, again, I mean, Bruce is absolutely trolling everybody when he, you know, on top of putting Kellen Acosta in the right position, he has Graham Zusi listed with the defenders. But, you know, I, I think Bruce is having a laugh on that one. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But central midfield, you're talking about Disgrood, you've got Acosta, you've got Bedoya, Bradley, Failhaber, Jones, Kleschen, uh, Jaget, uh, McCarty, Nagby, Trapp. There's just no room. And all those guys are ahead of Disgrood at this point. Um, the next generation of your Acostas and Traps and Nagbys 
I, I really like where it's going. And you still have a Benny Failhaber who's had, you know, great MLS career since coming back to the league. You have Sasha Kleschen who, you know, is I think the most important player on the Red Bulls. Uh, it's there's a lot of promise there and getting guys in the right position, finding the right chemistry and the right mix of those guys. Uh, sorry, mix is, is the, what needs to happen. And this is a good opportunity for that to figure out that is it four in the midfield? Is it three central midfielders and two wingers? What is it? What's Bruce going to want to do and what options does he have? Also, Breck Shea is dead. I think like Breck Shea is done completely. Breck Shea needs to have a good season in MLS this year to get back into that conversation. Uh, I think he, he slipped a little bit. I think you, you talk about positions and where do you play him? He's another one who I think is, has suffered from that. You know, he, they, the left back experiment with Breck Shea, I don't think worked. And now you're looking at, okay, let's put him back on the wing where he, he is at his best and let's get him back there playing being dangerous, Breck Shea 1v1 offensively is a, a very good thing for any team. He has to perform consistently to get back into this call. There's not a ton of left wingers, you know, outside of looking at, you know, Pulisic. There's not a lot of left wingers behind him. So if Breck Shea comes in and has a good season in MLS, he can get back into that mix. And I like having him as an option off the bench to bring in running at a tired team. He's great. One V one. It can beat people and create things. And uh, I'm not saying this man should be called in, but let's give him a shout out because he did just sign a new contract and he was supposed to be the future of us soccer before everything went totally wrong for him. Charlie Davies, everyone, Charlie Davies. Yes. Uh, just, you know, his career, you know, has been crazy. I'm, I'm glad he's, he's still in the league. I'm glad he's playing well. Uh, glad he's got, you know, a new deal. He, I think some some other injuries after the, the major one that we all know about, you know, he was getting really close to earning a callback, and I, I think that time might be passed. Yeah. So, I, uh, I hated for him because he was so much fun, but, yeah. Yeah, and he's turned into a different player, which is great. Um, he had to. But I mean, physically, I, he exactly. had to. He had to, and he's remade himself into, you know, a different style forward, which is great. I think, you know, when we talked about the, the depth up top with these five guys that are in camp, Davies is behind all five. So, yeah. Oh, no, know, I, I don't think he should the, be here, but I'd like to. the right group. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have a little bit of breaking news before we go uh, on the rumor front. Of course, this is what we do. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Um, Juan Cazares. Ecuadorian attacking central midfielder. There is some talk out of Brazil where he currently plays with Atletico Mineiro that he could be in the crosshairs for Gerardo Tata Martino and Atlanta United. Uh, Differing opinions. Um, Some people are saying offers have been made. Some people are saying he wants to stay in Brazil. Uh, you know, this is how this goes. Uh, just stay tuned. We'll see what happens. But Casare, so you, you know who we're talking about, what we're talking about. He's a 24-year-old central attacking midfielder who can also play wide. Again, this is the type of personality we're looking for, and this is who Atlanta's been, you know, attached to. He's listed at five million dollar or five million euro on transfer mark. 
Uh, current Ecuadorian international, 17 caps, one goal there. Uh, he came up and spent time in Argentina with River Plate and Banfield uh, before making the move to Atletico Mineiro in January of last year. And it looks like that was a 2.75 euro move. So, you know, he fits, he definitely fits what is needed. He fits the type of player that Atlanta United has looked at. Uh, you know, who knows if this comes into fruition, but. The, the movement is still happening to add to that midfield and add another, you know, either creative presence or goal-scoring presence out of that midfield. Yeah, and um, it, 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 he fits – he checks all the boxes. Like you said, that you, I don't got much – I got nothing else really to add there. He checks the boxes. He's young. He's from South and or Central America. He's an attacking mid who can play out wide. Um, next up. Yeah, he's he's another. Uh, That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, he's another smaller player. Um, I think he is about five six, five seven. You know, he he he's, if you're looking at the stereotypical Atlanta United midfielder, he would be that guy. So, Casares could be an option. Let's you know keep an eye on Atletico Mineiro in Brazil and see what happens with with Casares and see if there's any movement on this. Atlanta United will bring in another player in that role, uh, whether it's, it's Casares, whether it's, it's someone else, Darwin Quintero, for example. They will bring in another player in that central role. We've talked about the need to have another player who can score goals in this squad. You can't expect all of your goals to come from Kenwin Jones and to come from the forwards. You're going to have to have somebody in midfield who can get forward and help them Casares could be that guy. Cantero could definitely be that guy. And just strap in for the silly season because that's where we're at. Yeah, Sigtherson uh, as well is a target, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah. Have you started the hashtag yet? I tried a little bit. Um, I, it's, it's not it, – it, I, it, I don't think it's a good fit, but I would absolutely take the, uh, the killer of England in Atlanta. Also – just to take him up to Minnesota to win games in the frozen North would kind of be fun. <laughs> this is true. Um, all right. As we're wrapping up, uh, just a couple reminders. We will be back with you next Friday morning, 10 o'clock for a super draft preview special edition. The super draft starts at three o'clock Eastern uh, next Friday. We will have some form of coverage, either uh live during or live after with our reaction to what Atlanta United United does in that draft. Uh, Stay tuned. There will be plenty more mock drafts that come out in the next week, uh, both from national pundits and as well SB nation will have a mock draft coming up at dirtysouthsoccer.com and sbnation.com slash soccer. So for my co-host Jared Smith, my name is Jason Longshore. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Peachtree post, and we will see you guys next time. Take care. Mucha plata. Mucha plata.